we've talked a lot about the labor situation in our country and the fact that, you know, many sectors report difficulty finding workers, right? We've talked about that a million times. Governments have responded. They're trying to, you know, ramp up immigration fast-track certification for people from other countries and, you know, we're forming partnerships with other countries, Alberta with the Philippines for nurses, things like that, all of it aimed at bolstering the labor force here in Canada because we have a shortage, right? Well, our next guest is here to say, no, not really. No, we, we, we don't have a worker shortage. So let's figure out exactly why he thinks that. We're going to chat with Mikhail Scuderud, who is a professor of economics at the University of Waterloo and director of the Canadian Labor Economics Forum. Professor, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Shay. Yeah, so help me to try and understand this assertion here, because like I say, everybody else that we've talked to says we do have a labor shortage. Uh, we constantly hear that we don't have enough people for the jobs that we need filled. Uh, what do you say? Well, so I think that claim that there's no labor shortage was the title that was put in the op-ed that I that I wrote. Um, when you write these op-eds, you don't get to choose the titles, they, they, and they don't even pass them by. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think that's the one I would have chosen. You know, whether or not there's a labor shortage, I, I would say it's not the right question. I, I wouldn't frame it that way. Um, you know, what is a labor shortage? So, so economists think about supply and demand. And so when there is more supply than demand, then we have something called unemployment. There are more workers looking for jobs than there are job slots. When the opposite is true, we call that a labor shortage. Um, one of those two things has to be true. Either the labor markets are slack, there's unemployment, or labor markets are tight, and companies are kind of struggling to find workers. We're clearly in the latter right now. And what I find kind of confusing is we all agree that a world where there's an economy where there's a lot of unemployment is not a good thing. Now, are we saying that the opposite is also not a good thing? And if that's true, then it's kind of like, well, are we ever going to be happy? <laughs> you make a really good point. I mean, record low unemployment. Oh, no, that's, that's a really bad thing. <laughs> um, I guess I guess the question, though, is you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's two ways of looking at the same situation. And does it matter? I guess, I mean, basically, the bottom line is we do have more vacancies than we have people for the vacancies. So the, the issue true. is there. I guess not it's just true, a matter of framing it, right? Yeah, but that's not true. That fact you okay. threw out is, is, is factually incorrect. So there, there are what I've been measuring, um, tracking, and I post this on Twitter regularly on all my social media, is I track the number of job vacancies in Canada per job seeker. That number was for five, six years, at least going back as far as we can do it with the data we have, was hovering between like 0.2 and 0.6. So way more job seekers than job vacancies. Then suddenly when inflation took off, that number you know, surged up to 1.1. So that means there was 1.1 job vacancy for every one job seeker. So now, now we're in a world where what you just said is true. There are more, yeah. more vacancies. But that's dropped. In the last six months, vacancies are plummeting very fast. They're dropping as fast as they went up. Um, and so now we're back to about 0.8, and they will continue to drop. We will get back to where we were. So um, I think we've got to kind of be careful a little bit about how, how we how we frame the issue. Um, I guess the question, though, is wouldn't that always be the case? Like you say, isn't that a good thing? Like we, we, we want our economy to constantly be growing, which means, you know, expanding and creating new jobs. So... Uh, <laughs> 
is this a bad thing? I mean, how big of a concern should this be? Yeah, so I, you know, one one kind of, you know, I could talk about this all all day, this kind of stuff. But one framing that I find problematic is this notion that the objective is to make the economy bigger. Okay. You know, how do we measure that? We measure that as gross domestic product. That's the value of everything that's produced in the economy in a year. India has a much bigger economy than Canada. Much bigger. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're aiming for? No. It clearly isn't the total size of the economic pie that matters. What matters is when we divide that economic pie into slices for everyone, what's the size of the average slice? And the reality, of course, GDP per capita, the size of the average slice, is way higher in Canada than India. And I would argue that's the objective. And if that is the objective, it's not about creating more jobs. It's about the quality of the jobs. It's about how productive every worker is. How much is every worker contributing? And the way you make that happen is tight labor markets are really good for that because they ensure that businesses are using every worker they have because they're scarce. You've got to get the most out of them you can. They make the use of every worker they have. So that is the sense in which I say all this rhetoric around labor shortages is completely counterproductive. Uh, what, right? what about, it's a good thing. What about the thing, you know, what I was, I was saying earlier, we've got governments saying we're expanding, you know, immigration up to a million and a half people. We've got these partnerships formed with other countries to get people here on the fast track, all these sorts. Is that, is that the wrong approach? I mean, that, that sort of attacking the problem from the same angle that you say is, is wrongheaded, right? So this is my area of expertise and how I sort of come into this discussion is as I study the economics of immigration. I've been studying in Canada for about two decades. If we talk about immigration as just like some monolithic, that immigrants are just like homogeneous, they're all identical, that's ridiculous. Not all immigrants are identical. Some immigrants come with very high skills. And they tend to raise GDP per capita. If their earnings are above the average earnings in the existing population, the average gets pulled up. But if you bring in a lot of immigrants that are below, have, have low levels of skills and their earnings tend to be low, you know, they're working at Tim Hortons restaurants and so on, that pulls down the average. That tends to increase inequality. It depresses wages at the lower end. So the question isn't about whether we should have immigration or not. The question is, how, what type of immigration? What's the objective of the immigration? What are we trying to achieve with it? How do we design the right policies to to achieve those objectives? How do, well, so what's the answer then? You mean you study this? This is your area of expertise. What should we be doing then? <laughs> so if we, I would say, you know, I've been very critical. I've been writing a lot of people. If your listeners are interested, if you, if you, you can read a lot of this. I'm not alone. A lot of labor economists are writing about this. This government, for sure, has been pushing. This is not a partisan statement. This is, you know, I, I tend not to be partisan, but this government certainly has pushed immigration in a direction that goes counter to what I just described as what I see as the economic objective of kind of increasing the, the size of the average life. What we've done is we've hugely ramped up temporary migration, and increasingly it's low-skilled. And we're losing sight of our permanent skilled immigration system. So even the permanent programs that provide PR status are increasingly trying to target, you know, filling slow. 
slots in the economy, which very often are lower skilled types of jobs, rather than trying to, you know, compete for the best and brightest around the world. And I, and I think that's the worry I have about the, the direction we're moving in. Yeah, it, it's a very interesting. It makes a lot of sense what you're saying. It's really hard to see. Yeah, he's right. I mean, this it makes a lot of sense. I guess we've sort of fallen into the trap of let's just get a warm body when maybe that's not what we're looking for at all. That might be counterproductive. I think that's exactly what it is, and, and I think there's a reason it happens, right? This, these, these kind of policy decisions aren't made in vacuums. The reality is, and this probably will ruffle some feathers of some of your listeners, again, I can assure you I'm not a partisan person. I'm, I'm an economist. I believe in competition and capitalism, but the reality is there's a business lobby out there that's very powerful, and if you look at where the, the push for more of these lower-skilled migrant workers to fill slots, where that push is coming from, it is from the business lobby in Canada. There's absolutely no question about that. And so what I'm question, what I'm saying is really, I mean, how much coddling of the business? We just had a, you know, a, a wage subsidy program through the pandemic that put over a hundred billion dollars into business wage subsidies. And many very questionable businesses that are barely making any profit are being subsidized. Is this good for the quality of the economy, right? Um, I question that. I mean, it's it's a it's a whole new way of looking at it, and it makes a lot of sense in terms of you know you're bringing in cheap labor and you're propping up businesses that maybe just they're they're not meant to. I mean, that's that's part of a, an economy. Businesses are started, businesses fail, businesses expand. I mean, that's the way that it works based on the merits of the business, not on artificial supports. Hundred percent, Shay. You just took the words out of my mouth. That 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 you just nailed exactly what my concern is. Yeah, okay, I, I'm with you. Well, I, the only reason I did is because you explained it so well, Miguel. <laughs> I really appreciate your time. We'll do this again. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.